Okay, so great to see everybody. Those who are here, those who are not here, I guess great to see on the recording. Um, today we are continuing along the journey of the godly soul. Last week we started at the beginning of chapter two of the Tanya. And if you're using the practical Tanya, we went page 44 to page 48. In it, we discussed that the second soul that we have is the godly soul. Godly soul meaning it's a piece of God. And we brought examples to the fact that it is, they're not going to see you because. No, I'm looking to see if you're recording. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm recording. Yeah, yeah. Um, we brought two examples to show that the soul is a piece of God. One example we brought was blowing. It says that God blew into his nostrils, just as blowing implies using your innermost strength and power of vitality as opposed to speaking, blowing. Similarly, God blew a soul into us. That means he's giving from himself, from his essence. The other example we said is that we were called the children of God, just as a child is of the essence of the parents. So too, we are of the essence of God. In that particular example, we discussed the idea that the that a child originates in the brain of the father. We explained that a little more at length last week. And similarly, we originate from the brain of God, quote unquote. And just as and since we discussed God, his will and wisdom is one with him. So therefore, similarly, um, we are one with God. Good to see you, Karina. All right, we are one with God. Um, and that brought us to, and this all brings us to section number two. If you have the practical Tanya, it'll be on page 48. If you don't, I'm going to share it on the screen for you. So either way, um, you'll be covered. Page 48, you got yes. it? Okay, awesome. All right. So page 48, this is where we're going to start. Are all souls equal? So it's a good question. In other words, if we are maintaining that a soul is godly, can there be a more godly soul than another? I It would be hard pressed to say the answer is yes, right? You know, if you're godly, then you're godly. But at the same time, we know that people are different. As the Talmud remarks, I believe it's the Talmud, just as, um, just as our faces are different, so too um, we think differently, we act differently. Not only do we think differently, we act differently, but there are um, people who seem to be more spiritually attuned than others. And that would make us to believe that there are different souls. You know, would we say that you and I have the same soul as a holy tzaddik, a righteous person? Right? Yes. That's the question. Could we say it? You know, seemingly, you know, you, you ever like say, oh, this is, you know, a holy soul or this is, a, you know, this person has a sensitive soul. How, how could somebody have a more sensitive or less sensitive soul if the soul is the same? Um, now, you might answer, okay, maybe the souls are the same, but the difference is in how much the animal soul is blocking over the godly soul. But if that were the case, then every righteous person would be the same. 
right? Because their animal soul is not blocking, but they're not all the same. They all were very different personalities. And I, if you recall, we discussed in the beginning of the time, even within Sadiqim, even the righteous people are at different levels. So the differentiation actually begins not in not only in how much the animal soul is blocking the godly soul, but also our godly soul alone is different. When we discuss a sensitive soul, a more holy soul, such a concept is actually true. We will have to discuss how that happens. If it's all a godly soul, how could there be differences? And uh, that's that's what we're going to get to. But before we explain the differences, um, we have to go into um, well, you, well, sorry, let me back up. In differences between souls, we can generalize the differences between souls in two generalizations. I don't know if you see it. We can generalize the differences between souls in two generalizations. One is different generations. You know, today we talk about the, uh, what's the generation called? The war generation? What are they called? The, the, generation? the generation of the war, you know. Uh, the boomers? No, what are they called? No, the silent? The silent uh, generation? No, the greatest. Silent, the greatest generation. The greatest, greatest, that, yeah. the greatest generation, right? They're called the greatest generation, right? Mm -hmm. um, yes? I think so. I got yeah. it right. They're called the greatest generation because, you know, we, we'd look at our, our lives, at the people that we have today, and we'd say, what would happen if we were around then, you know? <laughs> um, but definitely in Judaism, there's a concept that generations previously are much greater than who we are today. Um, science th doesn't always necessarily see it that way because uh, we think we're very smart now and we've made such advances in science. Um, Judaism is all built off of the previous generations. Science in a sense is as well, by the way. Um, the, and, and also in Jewish scholarship, Jewish scholarship never really took a dip. There was no dark ages in Jewish scholarship. While there was a dark ages in the rest of the world, Jewish scholarship was at a very uh, at a very high point. Okay, it was difficult, but we were, we, you know, Jewish scholarship has never really suffered an issue. Uh, you know, maybe a couple of years here, a couple of years there. You know, under heavy, heavy persecution. But generally, uh, Jewish scholarship has never taken a dip. And in fact, in Judaism, as we will discuss in our upcoming course throughout, you know, the next Wednesday evenings, but. The books that come earlier are considered holier, and the later generations cannot argue on the earlier generations. So I cannot change what a rabbi said 500 years ago because we don't. I don't consider myself smarter. Okay, it's what's called in Judaism called Yeridat Hadorot. That's the Hebrew vernacular for it. Yeridat Hadorot. It means every generation you're going lower, progressively worse. You can see this in the Jewish generations. I mean, you know. Right before the Holocaust, there were many, many tzaddikim, so many righteous people, rebbe's tzaddikim. Um, after the Holocaust, even then, there were still many as well, and uh, they're slowly all dying out, and we're having a hard time replacing them. I mean, it's, it's not just a Chabad thing. You know, people say, well, who's the next rebbe of Chabad? Well, you know, go to any Hasidic group. The ones that have passed away are, uh, you know, they're not replaceable. You know, you get new people, they're, they're you know, they're good for the generation that they're in, but they're not in the same caliber. 
even even um, even God told Moses. God told Moses, "Chaval al da Abdul lo God says, "Ah, oh, I miss Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had much more faith than you." You know. So even back then, it was a thing. Um, you, you can just look in the Torah. Look at Moses to Joshua. It says Moses, his face was like the sun. Joshua's face was like the moon. You know, it's it's a whole difference. So the generations in Judaism, we believe, go progressively lower. So with that being the case. That means the older generations had more spiritually sensitive souls and were higher souls. So when we say there's a difference between souls that we can see, we can see it, A, between generations themselves, okay, one generation to the next, and, and B, is within each generation, there are different people. Some are more spiritual and some are less so. Some are more in tune with their soul, some are less so. But as I said earlier, I think it's more, you can say it's more than just being in tune with your soul. It's... Um, some people's souls seem to be brighter than others, regardless of how much, you know, you can have two people working equally hard, right? Effort doesn't always mean you get to the same place in life. And the same thing works with our souls. You can have two people that work very hard on praying, but one is going to get to one place, the other one is going to get to the other. We don't end up in the same place because our souls are different. Our souls are different. And so with that being said, we have to understand how is it possible that, um, that nevertheless we are the same? And, but that is exactly what we're going to say. We're going to say that we are actually all the same, despite our differences in these two levels, generational and within each generation, our souls are the same. Yes, Nicole. So if souls get spiritually spiritually lower as we progress in time, yes. what what happens? Like, when, what do you mean by spiritually lower? Like, are we all just going to disintegrate? Or <laughs> no, uh, no. Ultimately, ultimately, just because our souls are not as high, if you want to use that word, or spiritually elevated, does not mean we don't have a lot that we can accomplish. The, the ultimate end is we bring the Mashiach. Now, you can ask if if. The previous generations couldn't bring Mashiach. How can we bring the Mashiach? Well, the answer is, it's like a midget on giant's shoulders. So there's the giants and we're building on them. So, you know, they brought us to a certain place, even though we're only this much, but, you know, we're getting the last the last little bit. We're doing the last part, you know? So yes, we are less, but we will, you know, be the ones to accomplish the final part. And when, I, when you say less, I'm assuming you, what you mean is, less attuned or less connected or less able to realize and receive correct all all of those all of those correct and we'll tease it out as we describe why there are differences between souls we'll get a better idea of it uh, but nevertheless as we know as i said despite me describing the differences there is an element where we can see where um jewish people are all the same for example, a minion, you know, 10 get together at a minion, regardless if you have the rabbi and, and the town robber in the room that, you know, not one is worth more or less than the other. Um, another example, the the previous rabbi, the sixth Chabad rabbi who was in Poland during uh, the, the beginning of the Holocaust. And when they were bombing, he says he was in a uh, shelter with a bunch of other Jews from all stripes, Jewry, some more religious and less religious. And while he was there, um, while he was there, uh, suddenly a bomb hit off nearby 
And everybody screamed out the, the verse that you say whenever you're near death. Here is the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And everybody said it out loud. And he, uh, the, the previous Rebbe said, I, I, I wish to hear that one more time. In other words, obviously not the bomb, but the way the, the, the unity of how all the Jewish people said the same thing at the same time with the same feeling. Um, he says, I, I haven't heard that ever since. And he said, but that was an expression of the godly soul. Even people who were super not religious or people who were more. It's all, um, it all came out of there. So let us, um, okay, so let's take a look here. Let's take a look at the text a little bit. Page 48, we're going to read what I said outside. And then I've said the facts. And as I've said, despite our differences, we are the same. And then in the next section, we are going to, um, we are going to um, explain how despite our differences, we are the same. So let's take a look. Section number two, are all souls equal? Any questions before I, before I continue? Well, I guess I might as well read it and then you'll ask the questions. Okay. The notion that every divine soul is a piece of God seems to fly in the face of the commonly accepted view in the works of Kabbalah that there is a hierarchy of souls, some exalted, others ordinary, as he continues. And even though there are tens of thousands of different levels of souls, nishamot, one higher than the other, that's from Ecclesiastes, to no end. This poses no contradiction to each soul being a piece of God, as we shall see. Before explaining why this is the case, the Tanya brings some examples of different soul levels. Continues, such as the superior quality of the souls of the patriarchs and of Moses, our teacher, peace. Unto them. Let me just turn. Peace unto them. Over the quality of the souls of these historically late generations, Depicted by the Talmud ah, uh, as the footsteps of the Messiah. Um, oh, okay. Any chair, any chair. Pick a chair, any chair. <laughs> Take the couch. <laughs> okay, you can come sit next to one of them. They have a book over here. Okay, you forgot your book. Okay. Um, the term foot suggests that these souls literally have the quality of feet compared to the souls of earlier generations, which had the quality of brain and the head. The differences in the quality of souls extend not only from one generation to another, but even within a single generation. So again, first he brought the example that souls seemingly are different from each generation to the other. Our generation is actually called Ikvasa de Mashiach, the heels of Mashiach. It means, on the one hand, we're, we're towards the end, we're the heels, but heels also mean, you know, we're at the bottom. And I like to say, uh, in the generation of the heels, I think we're the athlete's foot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think we're really, uh, really all the way at the bottom over there. But nevertheless, um, we are going to be, God willing, the final generation to bring the Mashiach. But here again, we see there's a difference between souls. There's, you know, the heads, the earlier generations, and there's us. So this is an example of seemingly dispa disparate souls, different types of souls. And then he continues. And similarly, in each and every generation, there are leaders in Israel whose souls are like the brain and the head, compared to the souls of the masses and ignorant people which are lower. The differences in the quality are to be found not only when comparing the more sophisticated layer of the souls to each other, but even when comparing the most basic levels of souls. 
No, actually, I'm actually using my screen, so I could send this to, down there. Um, okay. Huh? What did you want to say? Okay, so he's saying, huh? Go ahead. So, yeah, so he is saying that in each generation, again, there are souls that we can call the heads, and there are souls that we can call... I want to say tails, but, you know, because we're not animals, but they're souls that we can call the feet, right? Yeah, it sounds like uh, we have different functions from generation to generation. And, and within each generation as well. Yeah. Right? So there are, there are differences. And then he continues, so too. Um, now he's going to add something else. So too, even when comparing the nefashos of higher souls with the nefashos of lower souls, there's a major difference between them in quality, even in the basic soul layer, which you might imagine to be equal in all people. So what is he talking about? So we have to understand a soul is actually comprised of five different levels. When we say we have a soul, our soul is actually comprised of five different levels. Um, he is going to talk about only three of them over here because of the five levels of the soul only three of them will be manifest inside your body okay um the three levels of the soul that become manifest in your body are called nefesh what he writes in here in the english body intelligence ruach Emotional intelligence and neshama, self consciousness intelligence, and he's taking that from the Zohar. Um, another way of explaining it is um, nefesh. Well, how does he start? He starts right. Nefesh is the is the part of our soul that's connected most with our action. The ruach is the part of our soul that's most connected with our uh, emotions, as he says there, and neshama is the level of soul which is mostly in the intellect. I don't know why he says self-conscious intelligence, but it just means intelligence in general. So again, we have three levels of the soul that come manifest within our body. There are another two levels that remain above, uh, so to speak, outside of our body. They're kind of connected, but they don't become manifest within our body. How come, um, like for uh, you know, the commentators like Rashi, yeah, and it's well. How would they know this stuff? And the answer is ruach hakodesh. So why is it ruach? Ruach. Yeah. You want to know why do we call it ruach hakodesh as opposed to ne nefesh hakodesh or neshama hakodesh? Well, ruach hakodesh is not necessarily referring to their ruach of their soul. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The word ruach can be used in multiple different uh, okay. facets. Yep. Would you call self-conscious intelligence awareness? Um, well, neshama, you can also call the, I don't know why he's using the word self-conscious intelligence. Um, it's generally the part of the soul that's, that's manifest in our intellect. And the reason why, yes, it is awareness because what differentiates an animal soul from a human soul is mostly in the intellect and specifically in the intellect is the ability to be aware of, and our self-consciousness. So correct. Okay. Yes. Um, that is where we're very different. So what he's saying here, what his point here is that the differences between our souls are manifest on a level playing field. In other words, my nefesh to your to somebody else's nefesh will be different. That's 
why he got into this discussion of the three levels of soul. Later on in the Tanya, I believe we'll discuss more about the five levels of the soul, but uh, we're discussing, he's just brought over here, um, the three levels of the soul. Okay. So then he continues. Um, nevertheless, the root of every nefesh, ruach, and neshamas, those are the three levels of soul that become manifest in our body, from the highest level of the soul to the very lowest of the soul. Now, let me turn the page. Rank, uh, did I skip a word over there? Ranks. Ranks. The soul ranks. The soul ranks found in the simple folk and the most religiously irreverent people. All these souls without exception flow from the loftiest divine energies referred to figuratively in the Kabbalah as Moha, Moha, Ilah, supernal brain, which is also called supernal wisdom, Chachmilah. So the Tanya um, has basically said that despite all these differences, all the souls started and are rooted within the divine wisdom. Remember how we said earlier, a child comes from the father's brain. Similarly, we come from God's wisdom. And therefore, just as, just as, um, uh, sorry, since God's wisdom and, and himself is one, because God's thoughts are not our thoughts, therefore we come from God. So what has the Tanya said so far? It has told us there are different generations. There are different souls. They seemingly very, very different souls. Nevertheless, the Tanya has told us they are all the same. Okay? And he so he has just so far said a fact. He hasn't explained how. And the answer is, as we're going to explain now, is we have to understand, um, going back to our example of the child, the child-parent relationship, right? When a child is born, you look at that child and you're like, how did we get, you know, where did this child come from? You know, as they get older, then you really start asking the question. But <laughs> even when they're born, you're like, you know, where did this child come from? You know, it just came from, you know, pretty much nothing as as the uh as the uh mission describes a putrid drop you know everyone ever wants to remind you you know wants to give you humility says remember where you come from a putrid drop so we look at this child and we're like where does this child get you know where does this child come from and even more um not only you know the 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 quantity of the child but even the quality like all these different elements of the child the brain the foot the head you know, all working together. And the answer is, of course, uh, pregnancy. There's a reason pregnancy takes so long. Um, you have to develop, you know, every child starts the same, so to speak, uh, but the child has to be developed for nine months. And in the nine months, uh, through the pregnancy, um, the child becomes a fully developed human being. And when it becomes developed in a fully developed human being, what happens? What's the final result? The final result is a child that is one body with multiple different facets. Okay? It's one body with many different elements to it. On the one hand, um, it has a head, and a head is not a foot, and a foot is not a head. It has a hand, and a hand is not a kidney, and a kidney is not a hand. At the same time, it's a single body. Right? In other words, some things in life 
Um, when you develop them, they become multiple different things. A child starts in one place and um, branches off into multiple different parts of the same body. Now, again, I'm, I'm focusing on this because this is important as you may start to realize. Again, through pregnancy, you get a single body that is made up of multiple parts. So you may be seeing where I'm going. Similarly, our souls may have started in the same place and through, quote unquote, whatever the pregnancy is, which we're going to discuss, of our souls, we finish off as one body, but multiple different parts. So you might have a head, a foot, an arm, a leg. So you all start in the same place. Yes. But through pregnancy, you become developed and you may look differently. Okay. And um, so first he's going to, um, so we're going to go back in the text as he's going to explain what we call the mashal, the parable. And then after we're going to finish the parable, then we're going to explain the nimshal. How would you translate the nimshal in Hebrew? What's the, the lesson from parable? What is it called? There's a, there's a word for it. Moral story. There's, an, there's an official word. There's an official word about you have a parable and you have a nimshal. You have a <sighs> gosh. Moral of the story. Yes, but there's an official word when you when you say parables. Moral of the story. Nimshal. Let's see. Nimshal translation. Translate. Example. No. I'll have to find it. I know there's an official word for it. Okay. Uh, anyways, back inside of here. So, all right. Here he gives an example. So let's go back inside in the third paragraph. If all souls have the same exalted source, how are we to explain the huge differences in their abilities? To answer this question, Tanya draws again on the brain seed child metaphor we encountered earlier. As in the above metaphor of a child born from seed, which is derived from the father's brain, which we explained that in the last class, where even the child's toenails are formed from the very same seed, drop of seed as the child's higher faculties through a nine-month gestation in the mother's womb, during which time the seminal drop derived from the father's brain is progressively downgraded and transformed to the point that even the child's nails are formed. So well, think of which one of us is a toenail. Okay. While other parts of the body share the same seminal origin, some limbs and organs represent a more downgraded expression of their source than others. The same drop produces both phenomenally complex brain as well as the simple nail. Through a similar spiritual gestation, a single lofty spiritual source, supernal wisdom, can give rise to souls of both spiritual giants and irreverent people. Um, now it continues. Nevertheless, even in the nail, the drop has only changed in its manifest form. But in terms of inner identity... It remains bound and unified in a wondrous, powerful unity with its original core essence. As it existed in the seminal drop rooted spiritually in the father's brain. We can explain this in English, just called DNA, right? Mm -hmm. Despite the great difference between uh, the toenail and the brain, they all share the same DNA. It, it's a wondrous unification. You know, I, I always wonder how did they you know learn tanya before uh, before all the science you know of all this but it's, it's pretty cool how it explains it even in the child's of body itself all organs are spiritually nourished by the brain and even now in the child the nails draw their spiritual nourishment energy from the brain in the child's head 
right? So when a person is alive, everything has to be connected to the brain. The moment you disconnect from the brain, everything starts to go wonky and gets all messed up. So in other words, what we're saying is not only when the soul, when the soul is being grown, it's it's originally sourced in the parent's brain, but even now, um, in the child's body, it's sourced in the child's brain. Okay. Um, let me go to the next section. Tanya now cites two sources for the relationship between the father's drop and the child's nails. So again, Tanya always likes to bring proof. As the Talmud states, the white seed of the father from which tendons, bones, and nails are formed, as the Yitzchayim Shara Hamshel states, concerning the secret of Adam's clothes in the Garden of Eden, they were, according to the Medrash, attached to his body like nails. These nails are spiritually enlarged from the mental energy, offering us another connection between nails and the brain. Uh, I don't know if we need to go too much into that specific example, because again, these are just proofs for the great scholar, which obviously we are great scholars, but our souls are maybe okay. Um, okay, so let's take a pause over here. So what we have said so far is we've given an example. In other words, we started off the class saying it's obvious to us that souls are different. Despite us being godly, our souls are different. We have different souls. We want to understand it. how do we have different souls if we all come from the same source, right? If I, um, you know, if I uh, give you a product. Mm -hmm. Uh, one is coming from China, one's coming from the US, you won't be surprised that they're of different quality, right? But if they're both coming from the same factory, you'll be, why, you know, why last time I got it, it was this good, and now it's like that. You know, you'll be, is that low fair? It's not fair. It's not, it's not right. It should be the same thing. So similarly, we started off the class saying, if we have, if our soul is not made in the USA, but, you know, made in God, you know, that's where our soul is sourced from, how is it and why is it that our souls are different? How come your soul and my soul seem to have different spiritual sensitivities? And not to mention the great leaders of the generation, right? And not to mention the different generations. So to this, we are starting to answer, and we're giving an example of birth. Just as birth, the child starts from the same material. And even in the end, the final product is all from that same material as well. You can tell by pulling the DNA. Nevertheless. They come out differently. They look different. Similarly, we will explain is with our souls. There's some gestation process that creates differentiation between us despite our unity that still exists between us. Any questions or comments? No, of course. Any questions or comments? Nope. Okay. Are you ready for a spiritual gestation course? You know, today they have, um, you know, when somebody's pregnant, they have all these online, uh, uh, you know, things where you can, you know, watch, you know, oh, week number one, your child is like the size of peanuts, and this is what's happening. And then week number two, your child is the size of this. I think we did it for like the first kid, and then it, and then it got old, you know, like, yeah. okay, I mean, does it really change if I know or don't know? I mean, it's, you know, it's just, we just care about the symptoms. All right, how tired are you feeling this week, you know? <laughs> Um, so that being said, there is a spiritual gestation, okay? Um, and we're going to start with, um, a prayer that we say every morning, uh, after the Modani, shortly after the Modani, 
Shortly after the Modani, we say a prayer, Elokai Neshama, God, my soul, Shenasatabi that you have given me. So again, we start a prayer in the morning, we say, God, the soul that you've given me, Tahorahi, it is pure. Ata Barata, you have created it. Ata Yatsarta, you have formed it. Ata Nafachtabi, you have breathed it into me. So the Kabbalah explains that these four levels, prayer doesn't just throw out synonyms. It's pure, you created it, you formed it, you blew it into me. There's something important in there. The Kabbalah explains that this corresponds to the four levels that the soul goes through. And these four levels the soul goes through actually corresponds to four spiritual worlds. For those who are familiar, and even if you're not, still the truth, there are generally, we talk about in the Kabbalah, the four spiritual worlds called Atzilut, Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. So I'm going to explain so you're not all lost. So Tahorahi, pure, right? We say again, the soul is pure. You create it, you form it, you blow it into me. So pure will be the most pure form of the soul. The most pure form of the soul corresponds to the world of Atzilut. Atzilut in Hebrew means Eitzel, close. The world of Atzilut is most closely defined and connected with God. So at the stage where the soul is pure, from page 18 on the article. Okay, if you got our article, you can see it on the center on page 18. If you're in the Chabad, it's probably page two or three. Um, when we say it is pure, that is the level of the soul where it's, so to speak, pure. It, it feels one with God. It doesn't feel itself at all. It feels itself as a part of God. It doesn't have a I. Okay. All right. Next level is Bharata, creation. Right, we say Atabrata God, you created it. That corresponds to the spiritual world of Bria, creation. Okay, what happens in the world of creation? What does creation mean? The definition of creation, when we're talking about God, means you are creating something which is separate. In other words, everything comes from God, right? So, what does it mean? God's creating something. It means God's creating something that seems to be a separate entity from Him. Of course, it's not. But that's how it looks. Nothing can be separate from God, but that's what creation means. Creation in the terms of a believing person means creating something that looks separate. That's what it means when we're creating a child. Honestly, we're creating an entity that is going to be separate from us. That's the greatest gift we give our children is, is being a separate entity from us. Uh, finally, there. sorry, then there is, so again, we said Tahorahi, it's pure. That refers to the world of Atzilut where it's one with God, it doesn't feel uh, I. Then there's Bharata creation, where it becomes created, it feels some type of separateness. It starts creation. Then Ata Yatsarta, you are formed. The, in that level, it starts to, the soul starts to form. In other words, not just it's a new entity, but now this entity is getting defined. So that's Yitzira, formation, it's getting formed, it's getting defined. And finally, nafachtabi, you blow it into me. That is the final stage when the, the item finally, um, so to speak, comes out. Um, now we can explain this in uh, pregnancy as well, right? In pregnancy, you have these four stages. You have stage number one, before the pregnancy, when let's say the egg or the fertilization was a part of the father or mother, Okay. That's what you would call Tahorahi, the world of Atzilut, the one, the, the oneness with God or the oneness with the parent in this case. Okay. Then you have creation. That's the moment of conception. 
It's the first moment where there's a creation of something separate, but it's as yet undefined. So it's the seed of separateness, a seed of creation, but it's as yet undefined. And then you have Yitzarta formation. That's the nine months. And then we have Nefachtabi, you blew it. That's finally when we're born, when we finally, you know, we've been, you know, created, we've got our separateness, we've been formed. Now we're ready to go out into the world. Um, these are four general stages of a soul. So again, a soul can be at a level of, can start up at a level of oneness with God. A soul then can get onto the level of becoming a separate entity, but not yet defined. Then it can get definition, and then it can finally, so to speak, be born. Um, so here is where we get different souls. Um, it might be might be Mushkib, I don't know. Here we so here we get different souls. There are some souls that do more of some stages than the others. So if you were to imagine you were a godly soul, a more spiritual person probably was only at stage number one, didn't really do stage two, three, and four. A very spiritual person who doesn't feel anything of himself, a tzaddik, let's say, who doesn't feel anything of himself, feels that one with God. That's a soul who really is kind of stuck at stage number one. They're born into this world, but they're almost not part of this world because they're tohorahi, they're pure. They, they, they didn't really go through all these levels of gestation. They were stuck at that. They did it a little bit maybe, but that's where they're stuck. So the more stages of gestation you go through, um, the less spiritually in tune you may be. It's kind of interesting. You know, in, in physical pregnancy, obviously you want a longer pregnancy. But as far as uh, souls go, the shorter your quote-unquote pregnancy is, the, the, the more spiritual your soul is going to be. Because the longer the pregnancy, the more defined and seemingly separate you become from God. These different stages. So the holier souls had less gestation, quote unquote. They were maybe stuck in level number one for the most part. They come down to this world and they feel they don't feel themselves much. Or maybe they feel themselves somewhat separate, but they don't feel uh, defined separate. So it's much easier for them to feel spiritual. Um, these are four general uh, pathways which, with which um, everybody can do. And of course, some people get very defined and some people become a head, some people become a foot, some people become a, a tail, some people become all the different uh, levels that can happen to the soul. These are all the different, um, all the different things that can happen to the soul. So this is why you can have something of the same essence in other words, it's of the same essence, but nevertheless can come out and seem very, very different. So what do we have from here? Despite, uh, despite our differences, and again, examples are never perfect when you give an example from the spiritual to the physical. Despite our differences, which depend on how much gestation, so to speak, we go through, we are considered one being. The entire Jewish nation is considered one being. It's one giant soul that through gestation, different parts became 
other parts. Some became toenails, some became head. The head are usually the parts that went through less gestation, or as we might translate it, are more connected to the original part where they started, right? As we said, the more connected to the level of tahorahi. Okay, toenails not as much. Um, so let us, uh, let's take a look. You want an analogy? Okay, you give an analogy, sure. It's like an iceberg. It's like uh, an iceberg, okay. Yeah. Um, Goldberg iceberg, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what we see is what we see is above the water. Yeah. And, and you see all the different mountains, I guess, or, or peaks, right? But right. underneath the level of water, we're all one. We're all connected. So it's one giant iceberg. Oh, the icebergs have multiple peaks? Sticking out of the water. Oh, see, I didn't know that. I thought it's it's always one iceberg. Okay. Okay. Well, what, what we see is that... Uh -huh. So you see different peaks. Okay. Right? And each one is different. Each one you know, has its own shape, its own form. And then you... But the hole is underneath the water. Okay. All connected. We're all connected, but then we, we come well. out and we seem separate. It seems separate. Yeah. Because we're only looking at a certain level. Because that's what we see. That's where our eye level, right. at our eye level, we all seem separate. Right. That's our perception. That's our perception. But the reality is we are one. Yes. Yeah. That's good. I all right. So, so it sounds like this. Let's go back inside. Um, this is... Uh, second or whatever you want to call it, third paragraph, page 51. Having depicted in detail how even the lowest parts of the child retain a profound connection to the seed and thereby to the brain of the father, Tanya will now clarify this as mirrored spiritually in terms of the soul. Mirroring this precisely, although figuratively, is the spiritual root of the nefesh, ruach, and the shamas of all souls, of all of Israel. As they descend, rung by rung, from God's wisdom, the brain of the father, through the chain of the four spiritual worlds, which are called Atzilut, emanation, Bria, creation, Yitzira, formation, Asiya, action, which I explained to you through the prayer. As the verse states, you made them all with wisdom. Um, okay, let me go back. Let me flip to the next page, 52. Okay. Later on, we will explore the system of the four spiritual worlds in more detail. For now, it is sufficient to appreciate they represent a gradual spiritual downgrade, starting with God's wisdom and ending with the reality as we know it. In our metaphor, this parallels the nine-month gestation of the womb, which downgrades the seed into limbs, organs, and even lowly nails. The result of the spiritual downgrades of the four worlds is that from the spiritual divine wisdom, the nefesh, ruach, and neshama of simple folk and common people, the nails, are formed. But nevertheless, like a biological child whose soul still remains bound with a wondrous, awesome unity with their original, essential source, which is a direct emanation of the supernal wisdom. In conclusion, all divine souls share the same exalted source and are equal at that level. Okay? Um, they, uh, they tell the story that um, there was once a, uh, a student in a yeshiva and he went to his rebbe and he says, Rebbe, I don't, you know, my brain is not catching on to the Torah study. My brain is not, you know, catching on to what you're teaching here. 
And, um, you know, I, I want to be a gadol Torah. I want to be a Talmud Chacham. I want to be somebody who understands a lot of Torah. But uh, I, I can barely even become a, you know, a, a simple student in Torah. So his rabbi told him, uh, why don't you write a letter to the Rebbe? So says, why don't you write a letter to the Rebbe? Tell him your problems. Tell him you're trying to study. You'd like to study. Maybe ask for a blessing that you can study better. So the Rebbe told him, um, I don't understand your question. The Torah, it says in the Mishnah, I am created to serve God. That means, yes, you have weak abilities in the study of Torah, but that doesn't make you not able to serve God. That just means your divine service of God will be fulfilled in a different manner. You're not going to be the big wise Torah study person. You're not going to be the Talmud Chacham. You're not going to be the rabbi. Um, you have a different type of soul. and But always remember, you were created to serve God. And this is what we're talking about over here. There are different souls. Some are nails, some are hands, some are arms, some are heads. We're all part of one body with one mission to bring godliness into this world. And uh, we should never try to take someone else's mission. We always have to remember it's our mission. And also to remember everybody else needs me. In other words, just because that person looks like they're doing the more important job, it's, it's not necessarily true. Um, just imagine you have a head that wants to eat without feet and without hands, you're not going to be able to get the food. Okay? Um, you cannot, you know, as they say, right? You can't do everything, right? Nobody can do everything. We each have our own mission. We each have our own part that we have to do. Um, we each have our own um, special, unique quality that we alone can accomplish. And this is what I think is one of the takeaways of today's Tanya. Is number one, number one takeaway of today's lesson. I say there's always a lesson for today because there's always a lesson for tomorrow as well. Number one takeaway is that we are all united, that we are all one. Despite our seemingly differences, we are all one. And we gave the example, just as uh, through the gestation period, it becomes different elements of the body, but it all shares the same DNA. We as the Jewish people share all the same DNA. We all have that same godly soul. And in a moment of truth, that godly soul will come out as we brought the story in the beginning. But nevertheless, at the same time, um, we should always remember, this is the lesson for ourselves, that we each have our own unique mission in the world. To give, uh, to tell a famous story, uh, that was Rabbi Zushav Anapoli, one of the great Hasidic masters, one of the students of, I believe, the Magad of Mezrik, Rabbi Zushav Anapoli, once said, when uh, I get to heaven, they won't ask me why I wasn't like Moses, because I'm not Moses. What they will ask me is why you weren't like Zusha. In other words, why weren't you, why weren't you yourself? That's what's, what's asked of us in life. We each have been created with a unique ability, and we have to be ourselves. When a hand tries to be a foot, or when a foot tries to be a hand, it doesn't work out very well, right? Uh, we each have to try to be the best of what we're meant to do. I think I, I, I've told this story before, but it's always worth telling it again. It's a great story. The story is that there were uh, these, uh, there was a, a rich man and a wagon driver 
and they arrive in a town before Shabbos, and uh, they each go to their separate lodging. You know, they came a little early, so the rich man goes to his fancy lodging, and he pays for the, you know, the Motel 6 for his, uh, you know, for his wagon driver. Okay, not shabby, but, you know, Motel 6. They each go to their place, and they get dressed, and they both go out to do their, whatever they want to do, Arab Shabbos, they go for a walk. So as they're going for a walk, the uh, rich man sees a wagon stuck in the mud. So the rich man runs over to help, and he tries to help, and he tries to help, but he's a rich man. He has no idea what he's doing. He's got rabbi fingers, you know, uh, or rich man fingers, right? He has no idea what he's doing. And instead of helping the guy out, he gets the guy's wagon more stuck in the mud, and he gets full of mud. And by the time he's done, he hasn't helped a bit, and he has to run back and barely gets changed before Shabbos. Meanwhile, the other guy didn't meet the wagon, was having a fun time, walked around the town, came back. Came to Shul early, and when he was in Shul, he decided to invite a lot of people over for a Friday night dinner. You know, it's a nice thing, invite people over. For... Now, he didn't have that much food, but when does he ever get a chance to invite people over? The rich man shows up late. He tries to invite people. Everybody's already invited. Uh-huh. All right, so the the the, uh, the wagon driver heads off to the Motel 6 with his crew, and of course, they get there, and there's, you know, everybody gets a potato and uh, maybe a piece of herring, and the rich man goes back to his place with all his food and there's nobody to share with. The end of the story is that after many years later, they pass away and they get to heaven and they say, you know, you guys got confused in your mission on, on the earth. The rich man should have gone to go find, spend a couple of minutes, go find the poor man. Sorry, find his wagon driver to help help the poor man out. And then the rich man would have invited people over to his house for Shabbos. You mixed up your missions. And therefore, the verdict was they had to go back down uh, for another try. Um, so the, the point is that our mission in life is so important. And when we get caught up in looking at other people's missions, um, we can lose sight of what our mission is. And so this is where in Judaism, another example where jealousy is not a good thing. Um, you know, you can look at someone else and it can inspire you, but always remember you're going to be different. Okay. You, in other words, I was actually, you know, Rabbi Tversky wrote a book on, on the stories of Tzadik and righteous people. And he actually had an introduction. He says, what's the point of reading these stories of these great sages who would study 18 hours a day he says, like, we're never going to do what they did. What's the point of the stories? And he says, so obviously, the point of the story is not to be them, but to be like them, okay? We can all exert ourselves in different ways. You learn from someone who, who had that dedication to God. We can also be a little more dedicated to God. We're not necessarily aspiring to be exactly like them, but we can learn from them and uh, learn dedication and, and study and, and commitment to our areas of life and what we can do. So even if we're only studying an hour a day, when we study, we can be fully involved. And so to me, this is the other message of this whole story. Although the Tanya's focus of here is really telling the whole, really the whole reason that Tanya said this was, it's actually a tangential to the Tanya. The Tanya was just trying to tell you, you have a godly soul. Now, once it told you had a godly soul, we had a side question. Well, if we all have a godly soul, why are we different? So for that, he had to give the whole example of, you know, the father and the son. But again, as I said many times, throughout the Tanya's journey, we'll have many different tangential lessons as well. And to me, one of the tangential lessons we have today was, of course, as I said, the unity, but also, more importantly, each and every single one of us has a specific and special mission um, for which we were formed. God knows what he's doing, and this gestation period that he gave to each soul was specific, and uh, we can bemoan the fact that we're very low, quote-unquote, um, but honestly, I don't know that the spiritual souls would handle our generation when, the, when I think about it. Those very spiritually sensitive souls, I don't know that they could have the effect on the world like we do. 
you know, they would go a little cuckoo maybe, you know, they, 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 need, they need to live in the shtetl. They were holier, but I don't know that they could live in this world and have the effect in this world, you know, they couldn't do it. Maybe that's one way I look at it. We are created a little more coarse, but that allows us to interact with the world that is more coarse. And ultimately, uh, we, we have the opportunity and the ability in our generation to elevate it. So that's my spiel for today. Next week, we'll, we'll continue along with the godly soul. We'll talk about uh, 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 leaders of each generation, and, um, and we'll talk about the three partners. Um, yes, Michael. So, Rabbi, I have a question. Yes. There are all these souls sitting around in God Aden. Yes. And a baby is born, and they say, "You, this soul, go there." Yeah. When does is the soul has the soul already done its quote maturation process at that point, or does the soul do some maturing in the body of the person it's going into? If so, who then designates which soul goes into which body? It, it, it happens on its way to the body, uh, but also you have to recall m most 99.99% of souls today are recycled. So right, right, exactly. It's a different story. It's not, um, sometimes yeah. it's, actually, it's actually related to where that soul is at. It needs to complete a specific mission. So it's already had a gestation period. It's already a certain type of soul. And now it needs, um, because of where it's at, it needs a specific type of uh, elevation by coming to a specific child. So being being Ashkenaz, does that, you know, we always think that the souls of our relatives who were named after, you know, will follow us or will do something with us or maybe within us. I haven't quite ever figured that out from from what I was told growing up. But is that is that something we we consider that the souls of our direct lineage gets recycled into that particular family or group of families or anything like that? Not necessarily. It could, but it's not necessarily, no. From the stories that we have, not necessarily, no. There are many stories of... You can get recycled as, a, as an animal. Well, you could, yeah, if you're really... If you didn't. If you got along well. Do good. <laughs> when you say recycled, is that reincarnation? Yes, yes, yes. Reincarnation. I, I spoke about it in my course, Journey of the Soul. I think it's recorded on YouTube. I hope it is. If not, I have it in my recording somewhere. So, yeah, so, the, matru so the maturation happens on the way from Gan Aden into the body. Yes, yes. So it's a pretty quick, it's a pretty quick uh, wow, maturation. Don't forget, don't forget, time in heaven is, uh, is not the same as time here. Right? Right, but if it happens in heaven and then you, this soul gets selected. How does the soul know which to go in? You know, I know it, it's directed to go into this certain body, but who actually picks which soul goes in the body then? Or is it some? Oh, is it some? I mean, who? I mean, God, obviously, does he have a messenger doing it? Probably. Okay. So there I, is I, some I, self, so there is some self selection or some other kind of selection of what kind of person that I may become because I'm getting that soul that already has gone through some maturation process. Um, there's a selection going on. I, 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 it's been a while since I've been up there. <laughs> so I couldn't tell you all the details. I can't spill all the beans, but um, 
there, there's a selection that goes on in heaven, of course. Every soul is put in a specific circumstance for its specific mission. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I should uh, pause the recording over here. Um, tomorrow night, class. Scroll. Book smart, book smart. All right, stop recording. <laughs>